And I am delighted to be joined by the state controller, Sean Scanlon, who's got a lot of things on his plate to talk about for today. Sean, good morning. Thanks for joining me. And how's your financial literacy month going this month? Well, good morning. Good to be here, as always. And uh, it's going pretty good. I will be at CCSU a little later today with uh, my friend, the state treasurer, Eric Russell, and uh, we'll be talking to uh, some students there about the importance of financial literacy. Last week, we were at uh, East Hartford High School talking about it, and um, it's pretty simple. You know, it's Financial Literacy Month in the United States, and uh, as the two sort of chief financial officers of the state, we're trying to make sure um, people know that it's important to take really simple steps like opening up a savings account, setting up a savings goal, having a retirement plan, um, stuff that sounds pretty simple to some people, but for a lot of other people, they've never really thought about it. We're just trying to make them think about it. And you and the treasurer have launched a financial literacy checklist. This isn't just for high schools, for everybody. What is the financial literacy checklist? Yeah, like I said, it's, it's just five things that are really simple, easy things that anybody can do, to your point, whether they're in high school or whether they're uh, you know, an older person who just hasn't thought about saving. And again, it's, it's the simple things like opening up a savings account. Um, thinking about starting a budget for your household. Um, all those kind of things are, are really easy ways that somebody can immediately um, become, you know, what they call financially literate. And uh, for a lot of people, including myself, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a house where there was a ton of financial literacy, and it wasn't because, uh, you know, my, my mom or dad wasn't, uh, you know, uh, equipped with that. They just never learned that themselves. And so uh, we're trying to use our platforms to, to make sure that people know that um, while it sounds scary and daunting and the stock market sounds kind of confusing and people don't really understand what's going on there, you can take some pretty simple steps and you are then financially literate. You had a big day, as did I, back on Saturday, part of the UConn Basketball National Championship Parade. But you were also pretty close to the action when something that made news also took place. Tell me about Senator Blumenthal and uh, what you saw. Yeah, I was standing right next to him, and, um, you know, it's sort of a freak accident happened where uh, somebody sort of backed up taking a picture of somebody and sort of backed into him, and he kind of just landed in a really awkward way. Um, and, uh, you know, he uh, is, is Dick Blumenthal, right? He... Uh, it looked like a pretty bad fall, and when he got up, it, it looked like his leg was pretty injured. But uh, myself and Senator Murphy and Congressman Courtney and a few other people were saying, hey, you know, Senator, I, I think you should go, you know, take a seat or get checked out. He said, no, 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 I want to finish this parade. I want to be up there with the team when they're celebrating. And um, and he obviously did that. And uh, a couple hours later, it came out that he had actually broken his leg, which I'm sure must have been pretty painful. But He's a, he's a champ, and, uh, you know, he finished the parade and got up there and celebrated with the team. And honestly, it was uh, one of the cooler experiences and days of my life as a kid who's been a lifelong fan and, uh, you know, lived in the state my whole life to be in that parade to see 45,000 fellow Connecticut people so, um, so excited and overjoyed for this amazing team and Coach Hurley that we had this year. And to, to be a part of that was pretty special for me. And Coach Hurley and the team ring the opening bell on Wall Street this morning, too. And, Sean, after the speaking program, after the parade was over, they had a media session, and I think some of the high rollers got a chance to meet the team and the coaches and so forth inside the lobby of the XL Center. So I walked in there, and there was Senator Blumenthal standing on both feet talking to two guys. And I would tell you this, 
if I fractured my femur in a parade, the guys I'd be talking to at that point would be wearing stethoscopes around their neck. I just couldn't believe that the story I heard later on, that he was just standing there looking like there was no stress whatsoever going on. Yeah, listen, I, I'm 40 years younger than him, and uh, I uh, I was in awe afterwards of, of similarly, you know, if I had broken my leg, I would be in a ton of pain and, and get checked out, but... Um, you know, he's a tough guy, and uh, he was in the Marine Corps like my dad was, and, and those are tough dudes. And so, uh, you know, he finished that parade. He was standing there talking to the team, and, um, you know, I think he, he ultimately he's probably somebody said, hey, you ought to get this checked out, and he did, and he did some surgery. But um, I know he's on the mend, and I'm sure he'll be back out to doing the same stuff he's been doing for a long time pretty soon. Sean, the last time we talked, we talked about the My CT Savings Enrollment Program. Tell the people again what that is, why it's significant, and about how you've extended the deadline for enrollment. Yeah, so My CT Savings is a is a program that my office runs that basically is trying to end the retirement gap in Connecticut. And what I mean by that is that half of the workers in our state don't get offered a retirement plan at their job. And that's not because their employers don't want to offer them. It's because most of the time the employer can't afford to offer one. And so what um, we have been doing through this program is to basically say to businesses across the state, hey, if you don't have the ability to offer your employers this retirement plan, we will offer this one to them at no cost to you. And all you need to do is sign up at mycpsavings.com. Um, we have enrolled half of the businesses, uh, or we sort of, we've registered with half of the businesses that are in the state. Um, we have half of the rest of them to go. And um, we, we had a deadline of March 30th for businesses to comply with it. But because we had such overwhelming support for it, and because this program is kind of just getting going, I have extended the deadline to August 31st, and I'll be spending the summer trying to talk to businesses about how this is a really good way for us um, to help their employees at no cost to them. And so far, um, we've seen a lot of support across the state for the program. So this is a program designed for businesses, not for individual residents? Well, it's designed for businesses in the sense at both. I mean, it's, it's designed for small businesses in the sense that if they have five or more employees as a business, they can offer my CD savings to their employees. Um, we'll, we'll be looking at rolling out ways to offer this to sole proprietors and single person businesses, uh, you know, down the line. But for right now, it's just available to businesses with five or more employees. Tax deadline day is Monday. I know a lot of people have already filed and some people pay the state, some people pay the feds, some people get money back from those two operations. But around this time of the year, does it change the role of the state comptroller, that would be you, because you've got more money in the state coffers now to deal with? It does, in a way. Um, you know, uh, it's sort of crazy at the amount of money that comes into the state every day around this time. And uh, we watch that very closely, literally on a day-to-day basis, because uh, it tells us a lot about whether or not we're going to hit our projection for our budget. Um, and right now, you know, on the first of this month, every, the first of every month, I put out a statement saying where we are. And on the first of this month, we had a $1.4 billion projected surplus for the fiscal year that we're in right now that ends on June 30th. And we're watching those tax returns on a daily basis to make sure that, um, you know, if, if that number holds this week, right, if the money comes in that's online, we're pretty sure we're going to be at that 1.4 or higher or less, depending on what happens this week, because this is the crucial week when that tax money comes in. 
And what's the point of keeping a surplus at that much money? I realize you, you want to keep some, you know, in the bank for a rainy day, the whole rainy day fund concept and all that. But wouldn't it also be possible to perhaps lower some of the state tax rates and give some of that money back to the consumers? Well, it's a balance. And, um, you know, the, the governor is proposing a very, very large, I think it's the largest tax cut in the history of the state. He's actually proposing for the first time ever to lower the state income tax uh, since we instituted in 1991, which is a big deal and, and will be big savings for a lot of people. But And I know this disappoints, you know, some of my friends on both sides of the aisle, but I actually don't think it's a good idea for us to spend the surplus, and I'll tell you why. Um, for decades in Connecticut, we did just that thing. Um, you know, Democrats, you know, when they see a surplus, they want to spend all that money. Republicans, when they see a surplus, they want to cut taxes. What we find often is that we do those things. And then what happens when we get a recession or a bad economy, we have really bad choices to make, which is we either have to then raise those taxes again, or we have to cut that spending. So a few years ago, the legislature, very smartly, in my opinion, decided to basically change the way that we budget and save money so that when the rainy day comes, we are prepared and we don't have to make drastic decisions that the people of Connecticut hate, where they say, oh, man, I, I've, I've been accustomed to this program and now you're cutting it, or, geez, are you really going to raise my taxes again? And so what we have done is we've built up a cushion of $3.3 billion in our rainy day fund, something that's never happened in the history of Connecticut before, uh, to prepare for that recession. And then more importantly is that when the rainy day fund is full and we still have a surplus, we start paying down our pension debt. Again, something we've never done. We have $86 billion, with a B, dollars of debt in this state, which is unprecedented and a ton. And for the first time ever, we are making a substantial um, you know, effort to pay down that debt so that my kids, who are three and a half and eight months old, aren't going to be dealing with the same problems that my generation is dealing with because the previous generation did absolutely nothing to get us out of the hole that is the long-term liabilities of the state. That's a really good answer. And by the way, speaking of your kids, I appreciate you doing it at this time of the morning. This is a kind of busy time on a day-to-day -day basis for you because you're involved in taking your, what is it, taking your kids to school or somehow you're involved in the child care of your kids? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's funny. I tell people all the time, I wake up every day, usually at like 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, it's then like four or five hours until I actually <laughs> uh, am sort of able to like concentrate at work. And, and young parents that are listening to this, they understand that. Um, but yeah, my wife and I split it up. I usually take the kids to school. My wife picks them up, so I stay late at the office and sort of make up the uh, the hour that I miss in the morning. So, um, you know, it's a balance, but, um, you know, that's the life of, uh, of working parents in the state, and uh, my wife and I are no different than anybody else in that regard. That's good stuff. Uh, going back to the state surplus, that money, is that invested somehow, and the state makes more money off of the returns on that investment? Well, the treasurer is investing money from our pension funds, and that certainly does make a difference. But what I'm talking about is, um, you know, that that's making a difference for the pensioners, rather. Um, what I'm talking about is this debt that is sitting there and accumulating through interest over time, which is, you know, if we had taken advantage of paying this debt down over time, we wouldn't have the problem we're in. I tell people this all the time, and it makes them, you know, want to pass out. But between 1939, when we instituted the first pension in Connecticut, and 1971, the state set aside zero dollars for those pensions, right? Um, so for the course of 32 years, we put nothing aside 
all the while, people were getting pensions, earning pensions, and then getting pensions paid out, which we used to just pay as we went. From 71 to 2010, we put aside next to nothing. And so for the better part of almost 80 years, this debt just racked up and racked up and racked up, and everyone was pretending like it wasn't happening. Um, well, that burst in our face last decade uh, during the 2010s when we sort of had a lost decade in Connecticut where we had the Great Recession in 08, 09. The economy was very stagnant in Connecticut. We were losing population, losing businesses. The economy was not growing. And this pension bubble started bursting in our face. And so um, we made some big changes. We reamortized them. We started paying down the debt. Um, and we've gotten it under control. But now we have to keep taking our medicine. And that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, it's not a fun thing to do. And as the comptroller, uh, sorry to be you know, the skunk at the garden party, but uh, I've been telling people on both sides of the aisle, now is not the time for us to change what we're doing. Uh, even though it's not politically popular, you know, everyone wants to give a tax cut. Everyone wants to fund every program. Um, nobody gets really excited about paying down pension debt, but it's what we have to do right now. The skunk at the garden party. I'm still working on that one. You know, Sean, this part of the state is often referred to as the quiet corner. And you had a rural health care summit that was postponed, but it's rescheduled now at UConn. Tell me what's on the agenda for the rural health care summit. Well, it got postponed because I, like many people, got the stomach bug. <laughs> so I didn't, didn't want to give that to people. But uh, it's a really important event to me. You know, I... Um, you know, most people say, hey, comptroller, all you do is, is math and the budget. Well, actually, I have a really big responsibility in the sense that I also run the largest health plan in Connecticut, where uh, I'm in charge of a, a health plan with 300,000 people in it uh, that are the state employees, their family members, and all our retirees. And it's the largest health plan in Connecticut. And I ran for office, frankly, to try to make our health care system better because, uh, you know, after my parents got divorced, uh, I was mostly raised by a single mom and my mom ran a small business, never had health care. And so um, I, I really want to make health care more accessible and affordable. And one of the things I heard a lot on the campaign trail, especially when I was up in the quiet corner, um, you know, people up there, they feel ignored by politicians and maybe people come there once or twice during the campaign and they never come back. And that's what people hate about people in my line of work. And um, I made a promise to people that I met out there, whether it was at fairs or at events, um, that I was going to come back and focus on this issue that I heard about over and over and over again, which was that the access to rural health care in, in Connecticut is a really big problem. Um, you know, the hospitals are not in great shape up there. Some of them are closing important units. It's hard to get a primary care doctor. you got to drive a long ways. And so um, we put together a group of the best and brightest, you know, 50 people, ranging from doctors to hospital CEOs to community health center workers, to sit down around a table and, and not just have, you know, a dog and pony show, uh, you know, photo op where we talk about things for a half an hour and then we leave. No, I'm forming the Comptroller's Healthcare Cabinet with some of those people to make recommendations both to my office and the legislature and the governor of how we can improve rural health care in Eastern Connecticut. Um, I got sick and we had to cancel it, but um, we're doing it again in a few weeks, and I'm excited about that that progress. It's Monday, May 15th, 11 a.m. Now, is that open to the public? Yeah, you know, if, if anybody wants to come by, uh, you know, they're happy to, to attend that. And, uh, you know, we're going to record it and get that out there. Um, but, um, you know, most of my focus really is just getting smart people around the table, people that are smarter than me, 
I find that, um, you know, I always benefit from learning and listening and meeting people directly. And uh, I think this is going to be a really good chance for us to dive into an issue that's important to a lot of people. Big story a few weeks ago was the recent bank collapses out there in the western part of the USA. Does that have any impact on the economy here in the state of Connecticut? Well, I think the biggest impact that it had is, um, you know, I was listening to your, you know, preview and somebody mentioned it was FDR's death, right? Um, you know, FDR had this line, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Bank runs are self-fulfilling prophecies, which is that people get scared. They go out and they take all their money out. And some of that is justified and some of it is just based on fear. And I think the biggest message that I had back then and still have today is that people, by and large, that are listening to this radio uh, show have nothing to worry about. The federal government insures your money up to $250,000. I certainly don't have $250,000 in my bank account. I know most listeners that are listening today probably don't either. Um, so you, your money is insured by the federal government. So if your local bank collapses, you're going to be okay. Um, the challenge, though, um, when these things happen, and this is kind of what happened back in 08, is that um, these runs can kind of start small and then get really big, and then that does start to have an impact on people. Fortunately, what happened here is we learned the lesson from 2008, um, both the federal government and then some other banks stepped in to prevent the bleeding from getting worse. And, um, you know, if you listen to the, the chairman of the Fed, which is sort of like the main chief financial person in our country and the Treasury secretary, um, they both say that the crisis has mostly passed and, and that the banks have stabilized. Um, but, but my message back then and, and today is that, you know, if you're at your local bank in eastern Connecticut, uh, you're, you're going to be OK. That's good news. And lastly, while the president, President Biden, is in Ireland today, last week you held a ceremony commemorating the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Tell me about that event. Yeah, well, you know, um, my my father's father uh, was an Irish immigrant, came here from uh, Roscommon in Ireland. Uh, and, uh, you know, I never met him. He died before I was alive. But um, my family's got really proud Irish heritage and um, I know that a lot of people in our state are, are, are Irish Americans. And, um, you know, for most of us, the Good Friday Agreement is a big deal because 25 years ago, a couple of days ago, um, it ended most of the political violence that had been tearing Ireland apart for the better part of 30 years between Catholics and Protestants. And um, the United States played a really big role. President Clinton, um, a former congressman from Connecticut named Bruce Morrison that some people may remember, George Mitchell, you know, these guys were there to help sort of be the, the neutral brokers between these, these really powerful interests. And um, thanks to that agreement, uh, Ireland has been much, much, much more safe in the last, uh, you know, 25 years. But there are still challenges that remain, and there are still obstacles to that peace continuing. And so the General Counsel of Ireland came, and uh, along with Marty Looney, who's the head Democrat in the state Senate, and Kevin Kelly, who's the head Republican, um, we had a bipartisan press conference with her um, to commemorate the uh, 25th anniversary, but also just to remind people that we still have to, as Americans, pay attention to what's happening over there um, you know, the home of our ancestors, the place that many of us, you know, love and are proud to be from, uh, to make sure that we play a role in keeping the peace over there. And I'm Wayne O'Norman. Sean, this is great stuff. Good information there. Thank you for joining me this morning. Always happy to be here, Wayne. Thanks so much. That's State Comptroller Sean Scanlon on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.